So I think that my biggest value is that I'm actually not trying to sell people. I'm really educating, trying to add value, trying to help you understand really going into like why this would actually help you and make your life better. And I think that that's why that becomes almost like the main like way that I sell is like, I'm not trying to sell you, right? I'm trying to like really just find the right person that is just going to fit for. There's a term in my first business called you're sorting, not selling, right? You're sorting for the people that are looking for what you have to offer at the timing that they are in their life and not trying to sell them on something. Because if you sell them once, meaning if I have to sell you on buying this, I'm going to have to resell you on why you need to keep it. I'm excited to welcome into the show. Juan Ron, how we doing, brother? What's up, Matt? Thank you for having me, man. Super excited to be on. Always fun to connect with a fellow Californian doing real estate, in personal development, looking to make an impact and difference in other people's lives. And you're right around the corner from me in the Bay Area. So it's always, uh, always good to hear what you are up to. And, you know, for people that don't know who you are and, and what your journey has looked like, you know, when somebody says, who is Juan Ron? What do you say? Yeah. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I, um, I'm a believer. I am married. Uh, my wife and I have a six-week-old son. Oh, um, nice! That has been a handful and full of life. And yeah, an entrepreneur. Uh, been in business for eleven years. Um, started in the network marketing space um, and transitioned into Airbnb. Managed a pretty big portfolio of a hundred and five listings right before COVID. And then ended up pivoting to investing in real estate, flipping homes, uh, long-term holds, short-term rentals, and then also building a real estate company right now um, called Kinetic Real Estate. We're in California, Bay Area, and Sacramento offices right now. So yeah, quick snippet. Uh, hoping to become a better human being, uh, better son, better father, better husband, um, better friend. So yeah. The fact that your eyes are open right now with the six-week-old is already a win. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, I think the rest is not my issue. I think it's uh, waking up in the middle of the night and doing these tasks while half asleep is what uh, it's what's brutal, right? For me, yeah. I remember yeah. when my um, my first daughter was born, and I was you know still and I was uh, flipping a lot of houses at that time and and running the construction company and. I remember, you know, grinding and working, but still trying to be as present as possible and, you know, wanting to be a part of every new thing that was, uh, you know, a part of being a dad and rolling out of bed in the middle of the night, like almost like crying, like a little girl, like (laughs) I've never been this tired in my life, but at the same time, like so happy at the same time. So I can, uh, I can relate to that. How has, you know, before we dive in, how has, the birth of your son and kind of becoming a father changed you? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think I've found some deeper level of contentment. Um, I think in my 10 years as an entrepreneur, 10, 11 now, is like, I always was so focused on like looking at the next thing or like trying to accomplish the next thing, never being truly satisfied, honestly. I would like hit one mark and then go to the next and then go to the next and go to the next. And 
never really stopping to even celebrate much. Like I knew I needed to to celebrate, but I just felt like not, not, not yet, you know, not yet. And kind of like pursuing the next. And, um, and yeah, I, I think I took, uh, for the first time, I took three weeks completely off of work, um, in the last decade really to just be present, uh, with my son, Roman. And it just gave me this different level of contentment, of joy, of saying like, actually nothing really matters more then if I can instill and set up a platform for this, you know, this child, for him to start at a different level, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, I think I really want to hesitate from giving him stuff or money or even too many assets or anything like that. I think I want to instill more of like a foundational way of thinking, uh, learning about money, just like that became more important to me. You mm. know, I was like, man, if I can just learn more and grow more to be able to do that, like that would be success for me. And I think that before, I would say that that is, was important. But until physically I had my son there to say like, okay, this is actually where it's going to flow to. It, it made a, it, it, I don't know. I, and I don't know if it made a huge difference in any other way, but internally for me. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Yeah, that that kind of definition, Simon Sinek, start with why. You you hear people talk about it all the time. And I've heard so many people with different whys, but when you have kids, it takes on a whole new meaning of why you're doing what you're doing and who you're doing it for and what you're willing to sacrifice in order to provide for that why, right? And so I can totally relate to that. I remember the way I explained it to a lot of people was the best way I could describe it was your capacity for love you know, at the greatest level, you thought you could love somebody. There's like a secret chamber in your heart that gets unlocked and you walk down, you know, 50 flights of stairs into a whole new kingdom of love that you don't know is there until you experience it with your own child. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for you, man. Congratulations to you and your wife. And when you kind of talked a little bit about your journey and entrepreneurship, you've been involved in, you know, 
owning and uh, starting your own businesses and continue to level up and grow and achieve? Where, where did this entrepreneurial journey start for you? Yeah, um, I think it really rooted from my parents. My parents are uh, immigrants from China. They immigrated to Mexico first, which is super random. Oh, which wow. is yeah. Both of my parents are Chinese, but my name is Juan, which is strangest thing, right? Um, but I spent ten years in Mexico because they immigrated there, started uh, a restaurant, started an import export business. So I was exposed to self employment uh, very early on. I don't think it was. Um, you know, in the Robert Kiyosaki philosophy uh, business uh, with systems and too many employees or whatnot, it was more like a self-employed, uh, be your own boss. You know, they had their own restaurant, but they were also the main operators. So uh, my parents immigrated from China to Mexico and then, you know, hustled through, uh, learned a new language and really established themselves, became citizens in Mexico, and then they immigrated to U.S. So they literally started their life over uh twice really wow. um then coming to the US with not speaking english not having any new skill to to really make it or whatnot so i saw that and i think i saw a lot of struggle um in 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 their life uh my dad was the owner of the of the restaurant but also the main cook literally there was no one else that could do what he did so he worked 7 days a week uh 2 days he had off christmas and new years and the rest of the days out of the year he worked Right. So the way we got to see him or got to spend any time with him was to actually go to the restaurant. So, um, yeah, I saw that for 20 years and it just developed this hunger within me to not really be comfortable or like settle for little. So even when I was like super young, I mean, uh, I was working at the restaurant, washing dishes, waiting tables, starting at like truthfully, uh, like under 10, uh, I was washing dishes and doing all these different things like just getting busy. And I think I started waiting tables probably at like 12, 13 years old. Uh, it was my parents' restaurant, right? So it's like, no, you know what I mean? I don't need any, yeah, they're, any they're roles. Like, get in there, get yeah. in there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, I was just like bringing out the dishes, right? To to the tables. And then after a while, I was taking orders. And um, I just really got immediate feedback on like what great service is and how to serve people. Mm. So um, I think it started from there, truthfully. And in high school, I was... Uh, <laughs> Funny, I don't know if you know what a swap meet is. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was literally working weekends on at a swap meet. My mom would buy stuff from another swap meet. We would take it to the swap meet. And Saturdays, Sundays, um, I was at the swap meet selling stuff. And where I grew up is a small town. Uh, so I spent 10 years in Mexicali, Mexico. And then okay. I spent eight years in Calexico, California. Um, but it's a desert town, pretty much uh, similar to your Phoenix, Arizona. So in the middle of the, of the summer, I mean, these are like um, steel made shacks, right? That these shops are in, in the swap yes. meet. So um, yeah, just uh, first exposure to real entrepreneurship was running the swap meet as a 15 year old, like negotiating with these people, um, then buying like used stuff. And yeah, I did that for four years of high school. And that I think that was a real uh, initiation to my entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you get your ass kicked at a swap meet, that's for sure, right? Real negotiating, and it's just a true grind and hustle. You got to have some stamina to withstand that. What were some of the early lessons maybe that you learned from your parents or that you learned at the swap meet that kind of helped set you up for your first kind of entrepreneurial endeavor as a professional? Yeah, absolutely. I think number one that comes to mind is truthfully sacrifice. I think that... um 
a lot of places we hear about sacrifice, but once you see it lived out by someone else, it gives you like a different example of what true sacrifice is. So seeing my parents really like immigrate twice and um, they really didn't have a social life. We didn't really even have many family gatherings. Like it was a whole life consumption thing. Like they really just had to pay that price because of how hard it was not knowing language, not having too many opportunities. And they just raised us. Mm-hmm. We never really lacked a meal, lacked clothes off of our back, but we weren't set up in any way um, financially well. And I think that that's one of the big, biggest things that is in, instilled in me till this day is like, how hard are you willing to pay of a price in order to get what you want, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things. The other thing is definitely just adaptability. I mean, I was literally one Asian person in a 99% Hispanic community growing up. So you can imagine the uh, everything that comes with it, right? How, how um, was that, by the way? I mean, did you did you experience racism? Did you experience bullying? Like everything, bro. Everything you can think of, uh, probably. And and you know, it was it was in Mexico, and all my friends, are, you know, were Mexican at the time. And I love the culture. I love the community. I resonate so well with them. Like some of my greatest friends are are, are Mexican. Nice. But man, the level of like. Like, I don't know what you want to call it, bro. Before the term bullying didn't even like exist. So it was mainly like the verbal, you know, right? Like, yeah, back then, like like, there was no, no holds bar, right? You weren't getting canceled back then. There's no social media, bro. So it's like, yeah. So I, I think it developed a really thick skin though from it all. So to the point where, I mean, I, I was always one of the smaller guys, you know, everywhere, you know, every class, every grade and everything. So I just developed a thick skin and like a way of standing up for myself. Like sometimes they would, you know, uh, like I would come back at them, right? Like coming up with um, anything. So I'm actually really, uh, it's funny because people call it dad jokes now, but like I come up with things like really quickly on how to like in the middle of a conversation, like you got to be quick witted to like talk some shit and hold your own, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I think that that's what it developed in me. Um, But it was rough, man. I was really confused. Uh, My first language at home was Chinese. Uh, My second language uh, was Spanish. And my third language was English. But when I went to kindergarten, uh, the teacher only spoke English um, because I was living in Mexico, but my parents uh, decided to sacrifice and pay for private school in the US because we were in a border town. So we for six years, we were crossing the border every day uh, to go to school, uh, walked about a mile uh, across the border, um, you know, with our passports, walked about a mile to school and kinder to fifth grade um, was schooling in, in, in Calexico, California, which is a border town. And uh, yeah, kindergarten out of the entire school, the only teacher that didn't speak Spanish uh, happened to be in kinder. So I was sitting in a class in kinder. Uh, my first language is Chinese. My second language is Spanish, which all the kids in the classroom speak Spanish, but the teacher only spoke English. So I had a, I, I actually, like people say, like, what was your first memory? I feel like it's one of the most emotionally charged memories as a, as a really young kid. And I remember four and a half years old because of that. I remember four and a half years old, I was in kinder, didn't know how to communicate, uh, felt like I was out of, fish out of water right mm-hmm. like no one looks like me um i didn't know why like 
I don't know. It was just, I was confused. I was really confused. Um, and I think that that created this adaptability about me that mm. wherever room I get into, like as awkward as it can be, like I'll figure out a way to um, fit in in a way that, for lack of better words. So, yeah. That's beautiful, man. And so as you started kind of, you know, grinding and hustling, what was kind of your first kind of business endeavor that really got you into the world of business? Yeah, you know, my parents had three career paths for me, bro. I'm an Asian, okay? So they only accepted three. It was either I was going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. I literally had no other like career path, unspoken, by the way. And so I actually went to college uh, for mechanical engineering. So I uh, applied. I was at UCSD. I was studying mechanical engineering. And um, at the end of my first year, a friend of mine introduced me to network marketing, right? He said, hey, I met this guy. He's really successful. Like, you should come check it out. And I took a look at this company that offers services, which I had heard about network marketing before, but it was usually products that I saw. And I didn't see myself selling products. but this company was offering essential services, services that people use every day, that people were paying bills on on a regular basis already. And I thought, this totally makes sense, right? Like people are already spending this money. We're not adding any other costs. So at 18 years old, I joined uh, a network marketing company and that exposed me to entrepreneurship and all these different things. Uh, Red Rich Dad Poor Dad um, about a month in, in my entrepreneurship journey, and then realized like, wow, I actually don't want to be an engineer, right? I, I want to own my own business. I want to... Like it just seemed like the the shortest way to actually becoming financially free, right? In my mind before that was like, I'm going to work at a company. I love cars. So I was like, in my mind as a sophomore, you would have asked me what I wanted to do. I would have told you, um, I'm going to start working at Toyota, right? As a mechanical engineer, I'm going to work my butt off, eventually become like an, a top executive there at Toyota, maybe even move up to Lexus. And uh, one day started non, uh, a sustainable energy uh, car company. That was my, that was, this was be- uh, pre-Tesla, by the way. Um, this was like, if you were to ask me when I was like 15, 16 years old, like that's what I would, what, what I would have told you. And yeah, everything got stalled after I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, honestly. And, and immediately uh, added a business major at the time and then ended up, um, yeah, ended up pursuing business and studying business instead. And yeah, uh, that's kind of like where, where I started. And with sales, obviously, I believe sales is, you know, one of the greatest uh, skills that anybody that wants to become financially free can unlock. What, what was it about sales that made you great? What was kind of your superpower in sales? You know, I'm, I'm actually, sales gives me anxiety, right? And why I say that is because, um, you know, every time I'm in a car dealership and I'm in that position of someone is offering me something, um, I, I, I think that because I came from so much adverse adversity financially, that the fact of sales and like someone maybe buying something that they might not truly need, uh, doesn't sit well with me. Right. So I think that my biggest value is that is that I'm actually not trying to sell people. Uh, I'm, I'm really educating, trying to add value, trying to help you understand, uh, really going into like why this would actually help you and make your life better. Mm. And I think that that's why that becomes like almost like the main like way that I sell is like, I'm not trying to sell you. 
right? I'm trying to like really just find the right person that is just going to fit for. And yeah, and and I'm it, there's a there's a term, you know, in in my first business called you're sorting, not selling, right? You're sorting for the people that are looking for what you have to offer at the timing that they are in their life and not trying to sell them on something because if you sell them once, meaning if I have to sell you on buying this, I'm going to have to resell you on why you need to keep it. I have to resell you on how to maintain it. I'm going to have to resell you on why it's valuable for you. So you're just looking for people that are looking for you essentially. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that long answer answers your question, but yeah, I love that though, is I think just coming at it from a genuine and authentic place. I'm the same way where I'm like, man, I, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. If anything, I'm trying to give them as much information as possible on the value that I offer, my product offers or my service offers. And if that aligns with the goals that they're trying to accomplish and it can help them solve the problems that they're trying to overcome, that's where you find that win-win that makes sales a magical fusion, right? Absolutely. No, I agree with you. And I think that you truly have to come from a place of service first because, yeah. I mean, I work with real estate agents now, right? We have, um, I think, close to 60 agents between our, our couple of offices. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that I see brand new agents come into our office um, make is that right off the bat, within their first deal or two deals, they're talking about commission splits. They're talking about how much they're going to get paid. They're going to talk, they're talking about how to squeeze a little bit more out of the deal, et cetera. Where in my opinion, your first goal, right, should not be how much am I getting paid? Your first goal should be how fast can I get proficient at this, right? Whether it's getting paid even less to actually shadow someone that is a top producer or whatever the case may be, right? But the truth of, ma truth of the matter is like, how fast can I get proficient so I can serve more people? And the people that come on board and actually do that initially, uh, there's there's a specific agent that um, I'm thinking about. And she sold her first 10 homes and had no idea how the comp plan worked, <laughs> right? Like as a brand new agent, right? Going full time, jumping into this thing, literally was main thing in her mind was like, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I assist these families? How can I get these people into um, their their dream home? Or how can I help, right? Sold her first 10 homes and still wasn't fully clear, was getting paid already, but was not fully clear on exactly the details on the comp plan, right? Which, in my opinion, is how people truly get to build bigger, faster is yeah. when they stop thinking so much about like, what's in it for me, essentially, and how can I really serve the other person um, that I'm providing the value or service to? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think so many, I'll just speak from my own experience. When I was leading with the intention of money first versus value first, it was a lot freaking harder to make money. 100%. Versus when you really shift that mindset, and you kind of flip that switch. And then based on that mindset and kind of how your thoughts and actions follow suit, the results also you know, follow suit in a way that you're like, oh, that's what they were talking about. This yeah. makes way more sense. And especially if you're thinking about things in the long-term, you know, picture, right? Of this isn't about just one quick paycheck. This is about the lifetime value of every relationship that I have, every person that I touch, every conversation that I engage in, you know, every opportunity is something that is not just that one opportunity. It can open up so many other doors, so many other opportunities long-term that 
if money is the root of your intention behind why you're doing what you're doing, you're not going to show up as the best version of yourself. You're not going to bring the most value to that relationship or opportunity. So I love that you brought that up because I think that's something that often gets overlooked, right? People get so jaded and so they romanticize sales equaling money and they do it at the expense of really extracting value from the other person for them selves and their own selfish reasons without really going with the genuine purpose of just being a servant leader and how that can truly unlock so many new opportunities for you. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Bro, that, I, in my opinion, I feel like that, what you said is like worth millions because I, I feel like even from my upbringing coming from scarcity and all of these different things, what you really think about at the time, right? It's almost like you don't have the luxury of thinking relationships when you have to think about like, how am I going to get the bills paid, mm-hmm. right? And I think that people get stuck there, right? Where they get so dialed into like, man, like, what are my expenses? And like, they live there, right? They live there and they don't create anything new because they don't have the opportunity to think any bigger. I think that that's what uh, my first business and network marketing and personal growth and all these different things did for me is that it created a vision so big that I was living outside of my current circumstances. I mean, I was, I was, man, I was a joke as a, like, I was broke as a joke, man. Like, I'm not even kidding you. And when you would have talked to me, you would have been like, dude, this guy's going somewhere. Um, Like, I I just, it's crazy. Like, I I look back at it now and I'm like, dude, I must have looked kind of crazy. I was this 18, 19 year old, 20 year old, right? Uh, Doing presentations all over the place, right? Telling people that they can make residual income, like do all these amazing things. And they're probably thinking in their mind, like, I mean, for sure he's dreaming big. And he seems pretty convicted, but my circumstances would have told you otherwise. Mm. Um, and I think that what you said there, like valuing the relationship and coming from value first, like I, I, I could not, like there's doors that are going to be open through relationship 
that your hustle and your hard work will never open. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think you, that, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more with the fact that like, you know, what you did was your circumstances don't define where you're going. And so many people are so rooted in the past or their present circumstance that it really prevents them from unlocking the path of their future and allowing them to step into that. And so I love that you bring that up because I think oftentimes too, especially today, you know, this entitlement mentality of, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I hear your story and I'm like, man, if, if for how hard you guys worked and I heard this statement um, in a conversation I was having with somebody else a couple of weeks back and I just loved it. They're like, if work, if, if hard work equaled success, every cook who busted their butt in a restaurant for 20 years should be a multimillionaire. Every contractor or every housekeeper or every, you know, whatever purse insert. I know so many hardworking people that have busted their ass and sacrificed so much and so much time and so much sacrifice that if, if, if that equaled success and financial freedom, then we'd have a whole lot more millionaires, right? And, 100%. and, and we just don't. And people think just because they work hard that they're entitled to success or freedom or that they deserve something. And so I'm curious what, what that mindset shift for you was of going, I've seen what hard work and sacrifice looks like for 20 years, seven days a week straight, yeah. right? Like for you, how did you transcend that mindset and start getting into a higher level of income earning, start investing in real estate, what was that path like for you? It was, truthfully, it was really challenging because like, that's all I knew. All I knew was hard work in exchange for money, right? And that was a reality. And so I worked extremely hard. I worked extremely, I feel like I'm still working on that now where I'm transitioning out of like, hey, I don't need to work. Like time traded and like effort and sacrifice and like, all these different things does not exactly correlate to how much money you're going to earn, mm. right? It's how much value are you providing to the marketplace, right? However, one thing I do want to share is that great Jim Rohn, right? He said, mm, love him. We're greater, like work harder on yourself than you do at your job. So whatever you do at your job, do your job well, work hard, but work harder on yourself. And I think that that really stood out to me. I like I listened to personal development like every day for years and years and years. I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Darren Hardy. Oh, he yeah. Has a, One of my favorite books. He has a book, The Compound Effect, man. I have read that book and listened to that book. I wish I was kidding you. I think the book is like, I don't remember how many hours. Um, I think probably over 50 times now. Wow. Yeah. And, and and because I used to drive a lot uh, to go to these presentations, I would like, you know, drive an hour, two hours sometimes. And like my whole freaking Darren Hardy talks about it. He's like, turn your car into a mobile university. And that's what I did. I literally like everywhere I went, it was either podcast, audio book um, to the point where even till today, like I have no idea on trends on music. Um the the newest music I listen to is worship music that they probably roll out at my church. And uh, that's, that's, that's literally like how I get, you know, updated with uh, what's trending on music. But yeah, I, I think that that's one of the biggest things is like, and it, it was really hard for me as well. Like I shared, I worked really hard for many years where 
I was making a living and I wasn't making any huge leaps or bounds. Like year after year, I'd be like, this is a year, this is a year, this is a year. And at the end of the day, I would get my, uh, I would do my taxes and be like, oh, I had all much, uh, you know, I, I spent, uh, I spent most of it uh, back into the business. And um, yeah, it was truly a struggle. It truly was a struggle. And I think that one thing that I can look back at is once I started partnering with people, Mm. Uh, once I started partnering with people, it really changed me because then I added a brand new skill set that I needed to develop into the value that we could provide. Right. And I think that that grew me exponentially, but at the same time, the relationship needed to be built, right? Yep. The relationship needed to be built. And I've always valued that over the last, you know, number of years that I've done everything that I do. I think that that's the reason why sharing with you before um, when we were chatting before, right? It's like, it's always value first because you just never know. Uh, you just never know how this relationship might, you know, be available for you in the down the road or maybe how you, you know, this is like crazy to, to say, but it's like, how can you be your real legacy right now? Right. I think people are like, they think about legacy and they're thinking like, oh, when I'm 50, I'm going to start a nonprofit. No, people are going to remember for you for when shit hit the fan mm -hmm. right and who was there who is really there everyone says hey man hit me up if you need anything hit me up right and then they see people going through something and like no one reaches out no one wants to be a part of it everyone just wants to like have you get out of it first and then ask you about the gossip like hey how what how to go like you know like all these different things but how can you truly be the legacy right like that you want to leave behind right now. You know? I love that. Mm -hmm. How do you do that for yourself right now? Man, I think that that's a daily, a daily challenge, but it's like, it, it, it's looking past the, your own, your own, like, like the things that benefit you now. Right. And I think that what I mean by that is, for example, you invest in real estate. Okay. And you've been in the real estate sales business. The truth of the matter is managing a real estate sales team is not very profitable. No, it's right? really not. It's not. And I think that people, uh, you know, every realtor wants to be a broker. Every realtor wants to have a team. But managing 50 plus people, 60 people, um, looking at balance sheets, trying to provide value, playing tug of war with the agents, um, developing agents that have never done sales to do their first sale helping an agent that's burnt out to like overcome their mental barriers. Like it's a lot and it's not right. profitable. The reason why I am doing it is because it makes a difference, right? There's story after story, right? Of people that have come into our office. Uh, you know, there's one specific person that I'm thinking about came in, used to be um, working a, a sales manager job, uh, came with no, no real estate sales experience and crushed it at first year, uh, part-time and made a hundred grand, right? First time breaking a hundred grand in his early twenties. And then second year broke 300 grand and changed his life. Literally changed his life. First time their family bought real estate, um, bought a Porsche, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like totally changed his life. Right. And like, there's, I don't know. I, I just like, that feels significant, you know, like that feels like, okay, cool. Like my time here is worth it. Right. Another real estate deal, although like 
profits are great and everything looks good, it's like they're just numbers and yeah. no one's impacted by it. You know, it's pretty empty. I mean, in in a lot of ways, when people ask me, like, are you just so passionate? Don't you just love investing in real estate? And I'm like, no, not. I mean, like, I love what the vehicle of real estate has unlocked for me financially, because financially it's given me a lot of peace of mind. You know, it's provided security and and freedom and fun and and, and creating memories and experiences with my family, with friends, with people that I care about. It's allowed me to make a difference and impact in other people's lives. But it's really just been a a catalyst of of a vehicle that's, but it's been the, the opportunity in the ecosystem that has allowed me to metamorphosize myself as a leader, as a human, 100%. as a contributor to other people, that is so much more fulfilling to me. It's given me the ability to get on a podcast and yeah. talk with amazing people like you to go out and make a true difference and have that ripple effect. And um, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Tim Roden, one of the things that he says, you know, is when you can go out and, you know, create this massive ripple effect in other people's lives and the wave that they create the waves they create you get you have the the ability to go and ski in other people's wakes because you were one small catalyst in their journey and in their life and so value and fulfillment while looking at a balance sheet and seeing a bunch of commas and zeros and looking at your PL and seeing lots of money coming in every month is not as personally to me and I'm not speaking for everyone but I love seeing money come in. I love having, you know, a nice net worth that gives me that security. But at the end of the day, it's that impact that ultimately brings so much joy and fulfillment to my heart. And deep down, I think, you know, as human beings, the way we're rooted and driven through a lot of emotion, we want to feel like we matter and we're making a difference, right? Absolutely. I think, and and nothing can, I mean, we, we've heard of people that with plenty of money, right? That get to their deathbed and are willing to trade all of it for some yeah. more time. Right. And I think it's like, I also think uh, I heard one time, like someone told me, he said, once you reach financial freedom, meaning, you know, your your horizontal net worth, which is what we call it in, you know, our 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 group. But essentially, once your bills get paid by every month, right, without you having to do any work, then you truly start to meet yourself. Yeah. And that was that was very, very uh, deep for me because I see that every day. People do things that they don't like to do. People put up with people that they don't like. People go to places that they hate. And it's just like people are not even living the life that they want or like that they even like they don't even know who they are, honestly. And I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of the world is lost because of that. Right. Yeah. Because their spirit dies. Right. It's like they they're they're physically here, but their spirit dies because they're just not anywhere in alignment with with who they who they really want to be. Um, but I love that, man. And I, I think that the sooner you can actually get to that place before you're even there financially is, I think, the people that exponentially grow. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think when you can because when you think about the financial hooks that are in so many people and why they do what they do because of the financial needs they need to meet. It is one of those things where you ultimately, like you said, you you never really get to truly know who you are, what you're capable of, what impact you can have, what life you can go live and lead if you're constantly being influenced by things that are really pulling you away from finding that person. And so I like that you highlighted that because 
what it reminds me of when I had that kind of light bulb moment for myself, it created this insane sense of urgency for me to go and solve that problem. So I could go and meet that person. Right. So I could go and become that individual. And I think for everybody that's listening, it's probably a good reminder of one, find that urgency to go and solve those financial problems for yourself. So you can go and pursue what that person looks like and look at the evolution of yourself. But I love that you kind of brought this up, which was why can you not become that person today, like right now and start before you really give yourself permission financially to do that? Yeah. You know, as you're sharing this, I think the saddest thing is that people, some people will take this so seriously, right? To the point where like, they'll start making some money and almost hoard it, right? Like mm. save it and like make it into, you know what I mean? Like yeah, hide it under the mattress for lack of better terms, but essentially put it in this account and like just keep stacking and you see them and like they live this scarcity life, but you know, they probably earn well. They live below their means, they earn well. So I think that there's a huge balance um, because that's how I grew up, right? My parents were those kinds of people where it's like truly saving, like almost never bought clothes, like stuff like that, like just kept reusing. And I think that there's a balance in which you can do both. The reason is because you need to start tasting what that life is going to look like before you're even there. Mm -hmm. So even like budgeting the splurge of, hey, we're going to go on vacation already, but rather than staying at the cheapest hotel, right? Looking at Priceline, what if we were to look at, some of the top three nicest places in the area, right? And maybe you get creative, right? Uh, quick example, in, um, in 2018, my wife and I, my girlfriend at the time, uh, we went to Kabul, right? And I had Chase pay my, my entire stay, right? Through points. Uh, I have the Chase reserve card. I hope, you know, I wish they were sponsoring me, but um, <laughs> I, I paid for like, you know, a whole week stay at a top resort there and Chase did it for me, right? And how do you get creative to start experiencing life? Someone else would have been like, oh, let me just cash out the points to get the cash. But what's the cash going to do for you, right? A few hundred bucks, a couple of thousand dollars. Like it's not going to do anything for you, but a life experience like that, man, elevates you to the point where it, it's scary, right? Because you're like, once you get exposed to more and more and more, you're like, what, what else is out there, right? You get start getting curious. And I think that that's what's, what has helped me kind of like, live outside of my current reality, right? Is I'll sometimes get myself out of this environment. And something that you said uh, about like meeting yourself, right? Um, at the event in Dallas and at the GoBundance conference, um, there was an opportunity to do a racetrack, um, like a racetrack activity. And I, I love cars, by the way. Uh, I think when, when Too Fast, Too Fierce first came out, the movie. Yep. I watched it entire summer every day. I'm not even kidding. I wish I was kidding you. I actually watched it multiple times a day on some of the days. I just but... did the ride at uh, Universal Studios in uh, Orlando, Florida, and it was it was pretty cool. Really, I've never heard of it, but I have to look into it. But um, but yeah. Anyway, I, I've always wanted to do like this racetrack experience. I've seen it in Vegas, like the driving the exotics, all these things. Yep, yep. I'm always like, ah, you know, too expensive. Like not right now, not the right time, etc. So. When they offered it at the conference as an activity, um, I mean, it was it was one of the, it's the priciest uh, activity uh, available, right? So I started to even ask, right, man, should I do it now or whatnot? And I'm like, man, when else is someone else going to 
schedule it for you, give you a ride there and all these different things. So um, my business partner and I ended up doing it and uh, something in me ignited like, wow, this is actually who, what really makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like actually doing the things and what we were saying earlier, right? Like you have money be um, kind of like your shackle in a way, right? Like you want to yep. do these things. You love doing these things. Like you, you know that these things inspire you and, and create passion within you, but you don't do it because of finances or you don't do it because of time constraint. And I think that the sooner you can actually start experiencing some of the joy, like not go crazy and like get over the top. But once you start experiencing those experiences, for me, it started inspiring me to actually do more, to work harder and go after it, essentially. Beautiful, brother. Well, as we wrap up here today, I know uh, some people are going to be inspired by your message, your word, your journey. We didn't even get to dig into a lot of the real estate stuff, you know, that you guys have built an amazing company at Kinetic, you know, in 2019 to 2022, basically zero to 350 million in sales. Um, you know, in 2022, I think what the first year was in the high uh, 58 million year 50, one. Yeah. 58 million year one last year, 210 plus, And then this year on track to do about 300, 350. And you guys are obviously continuing to grow that business. You took your own investment portfolio from zero to a million net in you know, less than two years. If, you were to give one piece of advice to the individual that's looking to go from zero to something significant that would change their life. What would you say to that individual? Yeah, um, I, I would say there's two ways to change. Easiest two ways to change uh, is number one is finding someone else that's doing so much more than you, right? If you find someone else that's running 200 miles an hour, you're running 100 miles an hour and you spend enough time with that person, you'll go 150 at some point, right? I think that that's one of the fastest ways to do it. That's why people hire coaches, mentors. That's why people shadow, do all these different things because it's very hard to learn something on YouTube, on a podcast, et cetera. Never seen it done before and you create it yourself, mm. right? So you, as human beings, I feel like it's almost like the monkey see, monkey do, right? You emulate better than you do um, like normal training, you would call it. And the second thing is if you set challenges for yourself or sprints in your life, right? Whether it's, let's say a 90 day, people do this 90 day, like fitness challenge or 90 day, et cetera. I don't think it's a challenge that really matters that much. It's the fact that in those 90 days, you're willing to do things that you've never done before. Mm. When people are doing a 90 day diet, for example, they're eating salads, they're drinking water, they're exercising five times a week while before they weren't doing any of those things. So after the sprint, right, you have a new ceiling, right? Now you think, hey, eating salads, drinking water, working five times a week is normal and I can do it. While before that, you didn't think it was possible for you. So I think that those are two more practical, easiest ways to change, I would say. Um, the first one is going to probably cost you some money, some relational equity. You provide some value. The second one you can do yourself, right? You need to find an accountability person, tell them what you want to do and do it. I love it. So for those that want to connect with you, want to know more about what you got going on, brother, where's the best place for them to do that? Yes. So I'm on social media platforms. Uh, Instagram is at R-U-A-N dot dynasty. So that's R-U-A-N dot D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y. Uh, people ask me why why that. It was one of the first uh, uh, team groups um, that I got connected with in my first network marketing journey. And I'm still very, very uh, tied relationally with them. So um, yeah, on their DMing, I'm the only one responding. I'm the only one um, on my on my page. And 
Facebook, et cetera. Uh, if they want to reach me through email, ruan at kineticrealestate.com. More than open to answer any questions, inquiries, et cetera. Juan, it was great having you on today, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, man. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info on how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.